Welcome to the official podcast of Comics, Beer, and Sci-Fi. Brought to you by Crystal Bright Janitorial, The Brand Barbershop, Greco Printing and Imaging, and Able Ideas. Before we get started, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow Comics, Beer, and Sci-Fi on all your favorite social media apps. Now, on with the show! Hey, it's the Bradcast. I'm at Motor City Comic Con, spring version 2023. Guess who I'm talking to? Yuri Lowenthal. This guy has done so many voices, I almost can't keep track, but I've heard almost all of them. Yuri, how are you? I'm doing good, Brad. Thank you so much. I, I'm impressed that you've heard almost all of them. That's a, that's a big deal. I watch a lot of cartoons. I mean, a lot. You, you and me both. You and me both. <laughs> so... I, I, I have been told not to ask people what their favorite character is, but I know that you're, you've got to have a favorite storyline. What, what do you like? What, what job do you look forward to most going to do? Oh, man, I will say, it's, and I think, I think that question is only hard because we love what we do, and it, it's hard to choose you know, a favorite. Um, I would say in my, in my, if I had to choose one right now, it would be the guy on my shirt. Spider-Man, um, because the the writing for and the storytelling in the the new recent you know games and the new game which is coming out uh, in just a few months uh, is so good um, that you know it's an actor's dream always to work on a project that has really really good writing because it makes our job very 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 easy. Um, so so I'm gonna have to go with uh, yeah Spider-Man and Insomniac Spider-Man and the, the stories they've been telling have just been top 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 notch. Okay, now, I remember Ben 10 from when I was actually young. Younger? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. What can I tell you? That's fair. Um, Time means nothing anymore. But but those were really fun stories. That is, I think, really good writing, even from a young young adult novel standpoint. Um, How long did you do that? I did that for seven years, I think, which is a long time for anybody to play, you know, the same role. Even though the the show itself went under you know several changes you know during that time, um, I you know I, I agree with you. I think the storytelling, especially starting with when I came in at Alien Force, and Ultimate Alien, the storytelling was great, and you know very. I know they sort of aged up Ben in that section, but the storytelling also was. It seemed like it became very adult, and you know in a, in a good way. As far as uh, as far as anime, do you do you notice? that anime is actually, aside from presented in a book differently as manga, do you find that the writing is different or the, the, the storylines are just a little different? Does it challenge you in any way? Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that drew me to anime and manga when I was a kid uh, were, were the fact that they were telling stories that, that were not dumbed down for kids. You know, felt like in, you know, at the time in a lot of... Uh, I mean, comic books have always been that way, too, in general, but a lot of the animation I was seeing from America at the time when I was a kid seemed to, you know, dumb things down. And I always found, you know, anime and manga to be dealing with very sort of adult topics or even, you know, topics for kids in a very real way. And so I, I've, I've always noticed that. I mean, again, it's, it's why I was attracted to, to Japanese stuff when I was younger. I, I thought most voiceovers done in a sound booth you have a script 
you have engineers. And I just heard in another interview that they're, the concept of the group read. Anime sort of has to be, technically, it, it does not lend itself to group reads. Right. But I do love, you know, in when I do prelay animation, shows like Ben 10 or uh, Legion of Superheroes or Young Justice, I love being in the room with other actors. I mean, I think every actor will tell you they'd rather work opposite another actor than just in a vacuum. And we can do it, but there's, there's something about group reads. There's an energy that you get with group reads. And unfortunately, we haven't gotten to do them very much these days. I mean, especially post-pandemic, it seems like, it's, like that's not coming back, and I, I miss that. I think, um, like you say, the, it, it might be something that's lost, but do you find, and, I, and again, I am interested in these nitty-gritty details, when, you, when you're alone in the booth, how often or more often do you have a perfect go through and only single take everything versus the group read, which to me might be a little more fraught with, you know what, can you guys do it a little different and you bounce off this word and come in on that? I mean, is, it, is the direction different with these kind of things? I mean, the direction is key because we don't often have as actors the context you know, we come in, we've just got our lines. Sometimes they don't give us the script until we're in the room, especially for dubs. And so, so the role of the director is hugely important because we're like, hey, I can read this line and I sort of see what's good, but what just happened? You know, we don't, we don't always know. So um, I, I never get it right on the first take, you know? Me neither. <laughs> I'm not Jay-Z. Like, you know, it's always more than one take for me. Yeah. We, we, like, to, we like to work into it. So I want to ask you, and this is one of my uh, new questions, is I know you've played a whole bunch of characters. Who is your favorite non-work character that you either read or play for fun? Oh, like for fun? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I love playing Dungeons & Dragons, so, so I'm, 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 always, I'm always playing new characters for fun. Um, but you know, I'll always be Spider-Man in my heart. I don't know. It's a that's a tough one. But you haven't, yeah, Brad. You haven't asked me any beer questions yet. I just noticed on your shirt. Oh, okay. Um, I'm more of a bourbon guy these days, but I'll take a beer question. Okay. Um, uh, hops or no hops? I like I like hoppy. I like. So you're an IPA man. I'm an IPA man. Although I will tell you, it it depends on the on the weather and what I've done that day. Um, sometimes I just want just a, a crisp lager. And, uh, but most of the time, I really want to get punched in the face by, by the hops. Have you tried any of the, these sours, the sour beers? What do you think of those? I do like sours. I like, you know, a good, a good, like a good raspberry sour is, is, is really good. But again, it's, you know, it depends on the day. That's, that's, how, I am with, that's how I am with beer. I appreciate you bringing that in. It's... Yuri, thank you very much. I appreciate all your time. This has been the Bradcast. We'll see you next time. Hey, comic book geeks and your sci-fi freaks. Comic book Casey coming at you from Comics, Beer, and Sci-Fi. I am here at the Motor City Comic Con 2023, y'all. And look at who I'm with. I'm with the rap legend himself. It's McDaniels, not McDonald's. These bur the burgers are... The burgers are Ronald's. There you go. I'm old, man. I was there at the concert, but I was a little drunk while I was there, so too much beer, man. All right, so why don't you tell us, how did you get into the comic book business? What was your inspiration for comic books? Before hip-hop came over from the Bronx into Queens 50 years ago, 
excuse me, for four 60s and 70s rock radio. All I did as a kid was read, collect, and draw comic books. Comic books was the only place I saw geeky, nerdy, awkward, um, clumsy, confused individuals trying to figure out their place in this world who were super badass was in the comic books. I could relate to Bruce Wayne. I could relate to Peter Parker. I could relate to Steve Rogers. I could relate to Tony Starks. So from kindergarten, when I first saw my first comic book, I didn't even know how to read. It's just something that said, that's who I am. And then by second grade, because I wanted to know what was in these books, I was a straight A student. So it was in second grade when I would read, collect, and draw, read, collect, and draw, read, collect, and draw, read, collect, and draw until in eighth grade when I heard hip hop. And it wasn't about making music or being in shit. I never wanted to be in the entertainment business. But when I first heard hip hop, I was like, oh shoot, you could tell stories about who you are over music, just like the people that write the comic books do. And um, about nine years ago, I went to a music meeting and um, I met with this individual named Riggs Morales, who was Eminem's, big shout out to Eminem, one of Detroit's Shady. finest. Um, he was Eminem's A&R over at Shady Records. So he's now up in Warner Atlantic in New York and had some music stuff I was helping with a friend. And when I went to sit down with him, we didn't even talk about music. He just asked me, D, what was it like when you was a kid? And I was like, well, I used to read, collect, and draw comic books. He was like, me too. And we sat there for three hours. We talked about comic books. And he said, you should do a comic book. And then I said, no. Don't put me in trouble with my fellow geeks and nerds. Because I didn't want nobody to think, oh, just because he had a couple of hit records, he could do a comic book now and commercialize our culture. Because we're this is sacred and holy. But he said, no, D, it'll be all right with you. Because first of all, your first love is comic books. And all of that you told me, that was your first passion. Then the music came along. But the real thing that made me do the book was he said, D, and besides, you could do the very same thing you've been doing with your music for the last 30 years. And I was like, what's that? Inspire, motivate, educate while you entertain people. He said, D, it's going to be the same thing you was doing with your records, except the music's going to be off. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, I never thought about it. like So um, nine years ago, DMC, DMC Comics, Daryl Makes Comics was born because he said, if you're going to name your company, you can't use Marvel, you can't use DC, you can't use Milestone, you can't use Valiant, no, you know, you can't use anything that's out there now. And I sat there for a minute. So no more devastating mic control, but no, Daryl Makes Comics. No, that's still part of it. It's devastating mic control, and now Daryl Makes okay, Comics. And in about a couple of months, I'm starting a cookie company called Daryl Makes Cookies. I'm a cookie fanatic. Yes, everybody loves cookies. Hopefully soft-batch chocolate chip, man. Yes, for sure. And sugar and oatmeal raisin and a protein cookie for people in the gyms. But there you go. comic books is my first love. The Easter eggs has always been there, Casey. Crash through walls, come through floors, bust through ceilings and knock down doors. I'm DJ Run, I could scratch. I didn't say I'm DMC could rap. I said, I'm DMC, I could draw. There you go. <laughs> so my comic book heads was like, D, we know. Yeah, when you were saying that, we were, but we wasn't sure. So now it's just the other thing that I am is now being shared with the world. Man, we appreciate that because now just hearing you tell the story, 
you have definitely shown that you have the ultimate respect for the comic book culture. Yep. And and, and it's sacred to you just For sure. It's sacred. Because we're a tribe. We are a yep. tribe of comic book geeks for and sure. and uh we were the kids that were drawing instead of playing sports some yep. of us. Oh, yeah, I hate it. I didn't care nothing about basketball. Right, but but you know yeah, what? Comic book in a pen in a pad. There you go. That's how it was, man. For and sure. I and you there were so many of us too. That's the other thing. Briggs was like the you can represent us in a powerful way. And we are thankful that you are. So yes. No, this is good, man. I, I love the, the motivation, the inspiration yep. that you're providing because I think this is going to give those kids that had the whole dream of becoming rappers or professional athletes, this interview alone could help yep. make them rethink their position. Hip-hop didn't just create rappers. You don't have to be an athlete to be hip-hop and gangster and bout about it. You it, could be creative and you could be educated oh. and you can have fun. And you can find yourself a career. And you just heard that from the greatest of all time. One of the greatest Hall of Famer. Come on. D DMC in a place to be. Daryl makes comics just like Stan Lee. Like Peter Parker, I come from Queens. And like T'Challa, I am a king. The king of rock, that is. DMC forever. There you go. Thank you, thank you. Motor City Comic Con. One of the greatest places to be. Also right here with my man KC and DMC. Where we at? In the 313. <laughs> you have it. Boom. That's what we talking about, y'all. DMC. Daryl Makes Comics. Devastating Mind Control himself. Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. He just laid it all out for y'all. I have nothing else to say. Comic Book KC signing out, y'all. Hey, this is Mark at the Motor City Comic Con. I'm here with Woody Woodruff of Fox 2 News Sports. How you doing, buddy? I'm fantastic, Mark. How you doing? I'm great. Little, You know, you might not know this, but Woody is uh, quite the comic collector. Uh, being a sports guy, you wouldn't expect that. But tell us, what kind of comics do you like to collect? You know what? I uh, collect a lot of everything. Right now, I'm into oddball stuff that uh, is a little bit different. I'm looking at westerns. I'm looking at starting a four-color uh, collection where uh, I'm just going after that random stuff. And uh, I really don't know where to start with that, to tell you the truth, because there's so many. I think it's like up to maybe 1,500 issues, and they're all different. So uh, that's my next challenge, I think. How old were you when you started collecting comics? Oh, uh, I was like, uh, you know, a little kid's age when I started. My mom would bring them home uh, with like the Sunday newspaper. So it shows you how old, how, how long ago it was, because there's no such thing as newspapers anymore, really. But uh, yeah, we used to bring them home then. And uh, I think the first one of the first ones she ever brought me was like a, a Spider-Man annual number six or something like that, a reprint of the Sinister Six on the front. And I remember it vividly. And, uh, oh, it was amazing. And, uh, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, <laughs> so, uh, since then, it has been, you know, comics. I mean, I, uh, I've started out since then and, you know, up until today. So I have runs and runs of comics because I read them. So, you know, I'm in with the stories and I know what's going on and I'm not just hunting down. You know the next hot book or something like that. For an investment, you actually you enjoy well, the book, right? It's it's a hobby that has become something more because you have a lot of them, and then all of a sudden you, you don't depreciate. Smokes. Well, no. Well, unless you unless you tear them up, you know. Look, I have forty copies of Star Wars Eleven. 
I could interest you in if you, you know, you want to talk about depreciation. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, yeah, but you know how it is sometimes uh, somebody uh, gives you a collection or you run into one or you buy it blind or whatever, and there's like, you know, 50 copies of Star Wars number 11. You know, why couldn't it be number one or, you know, something like that. But, yeah. ah, well, you take your chance. So what have you picked up this weekend? I'm here at Gary's booth over here. He's uh, from uh, Indianapolis, I believe, and uh, he's up for the show. So I'm looking through his half-price stuff right now, and it's pretty good, I'm going to tell you right now, because I'm finding out, uh, I'm filling in, able to fill in some runs, and uh, like I said, I'm looking at a lot of his uh, Dell and yeah. his uh, Gold Delta. Key, yeah. because it's the four-color thing I'm trying to start. And, you know, if I can get four-color, I'm trying to buy it in bulk, to be honest with you. I mean, if I can get, like, you know, 50, 60, 100 issues of four-color, you know, at a good rate, then I'd rather go that route than trying to hunt down every issue. Oh, here's number 673. It's patches. You know, I mean, what the hell? You know, so, you know, I got I to gotta, I gotta think that through before I actually dive into it because I don't know if I want all the filler stuff. But still, it would be an awesome thing to try to get going. Now, are you into any of the celebrity guests that come here? Uh, not really. Uh, I mean, uh, I sat in with uh, Daryl McDaniels, his group, uh, yesterday. It was informative. It was nice. It was good to hear. But it's not like I'm chasing autographs or, you know, anything like that. I don't really need uh, to have that. I mean, I've, you know, I have my Stanley autograph. I have, you know, uh, a Herb Trimpey on, a, you know, a couple of books. But I'm not big into autographs because I'm more of a purist, you know. I mean, it's writing on the cover. Exactly. You know, I mean, honestly, that's what that's what Overstreet says it is, right? So, I mean, I don't care if it's, you know, Stan Lee or, you know, whoever, but it's writing on the cover. And, uh, you know, it's, it defaces the book. So, I, a lot of my books, I don't have that. I do have some that I've come across, but none that I've actually, a couple that I've actually gone out and sought, you know. But usually I get, like, books or something else, you know, weird uh, to get signed. Although I will say this, since we're since we're all friends here, uh, when Neil Adams was alive, okay, he was signing here, and um, I said to myself, okay, you got to bring something that Neil doesn't see a lot of, you know. I mean, you can bring the Batman's, you can bring the Dead Man's, the Aquaman, all that kind of stuff, Green Lantern, Green Lantern all that stuff, right? But I'm saying, hmm. So i brought the hot wheels santa claus cover hot wheels number six i believe or whatever all black cover santa claus coming down on the on the kids on the cover so i get up the line pay the money right and he comes he looks at it and he, he goes wow i haven't seen this one in a long time and he starts to leap through it right and i had the uh the uh signature series guys with me Right, so that when they sign it, it would go straight to CGC. But he's leaping through it, and I'm thinking, oh man, it's going down grade by grade as he's going through the pages of this. But then I'm thinking, well, it's Neil Adams, so how are you going to tell him, hey, put the book down, dude? You know what I mean? So gentle. Anyway, it came back, I think, uh, eight and a half or whatever, and his signature was beautiful. So it was great. It was great. How many how many years have you been coming to the Motor City Comic Con? You know what? I was looking at. uh, I saved the programs. And uh, so the earliest program I have might be from uh, maybe 2000, 
Maybe uh, maybe 99, somewhere in there. Wow, that goes yeah. back. I mean, uh, right. That's it does. No, it's back. the Novi Expo. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Those days. Those were fun days. There were a lot of fun days. So I know you have like a camaraderie. Com- I can't even get the word camaraderie? out. Camaraderie with your coworker, Jay Towers. Oh, yeah, Jay. He's the mayor out here. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing out here to see him walk through here and see all the people he knows. Yesterday, I was shadowing him for a little while, and he was talking to Tony Danza, and then he's talking to Carl Weathers, and he's like, oh, well, I got to go down here and talk to DMC, and then I got to get back over. I'm like, Jay, man, I'll see you. I'll see you on Monday, pal. Yeah. You know, we're kind of jealous of Jay because he gets all those he gets all these great interviews, and we, we try to get these interviews, and we can't get it. Well, what do you mean you try and get them, and you can't get it? Well, they're, they're either too busy, or they're just, it's just, we try going through their PR, but, you know, and we just just can't get interviews with him. It's always Jay always gets all the interviews. I think because he's, he's with a legit news outlet. I if think. I if I were you, I would hang close to Jay on the dates that he's coming here. That's good. Back I, on this stuff. So then, you, as soon as Jay's done, you say, "Oh, oh, can I? Could it? You know, get just one more?" And then it might be okay because the PR people. Are, all right, all right, uh, all right. We're an affiliate of Fox too. No, you don't have to say that. You don't have to lie about it. You know, don't don't never lie about it. Okay, I'm a big believer in comic book karma. Okay, so don't lie about that kind of stuff. You got time for a quick story? Sure. All right, okay. I, uh, I have an X-Men number one, right? Okay, and I got it at an auction down at the, uh, what's the mall down in Dearborn? Fairlane Mall? Fairlane, okay, yeah. back when they had the, uh, what's the hotel down there? The Whatever, one of them, and they had an auction there. So I uh, go into the auction and one of the lots is an X-Men number one with a Journey into Mystery, uh, I'm sorry, uh, an Adam Strange. So what's that? Uh, Strange Adventures? Strange, 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 strange Something like that. Anyway, so it's in the lot, right? So uh, I sit down and I'm like, holy smokes, an X-Men number one. Let me try to get this, okay? So I'm sitting in there and I'm bidding, I'm bidding, I'm bidding. Okay, the bid goes. The bid goes to uh, 1350 okay? Which is, you know, relatively inexpensive now for that kind of book, but I'm thinking, oh, okay, all right. So I get up there to pay, okay, and the lady charges me $13.50, right? So instantly, all your viewers and everybody, you're probably thinking it too. Holy smokes, we just got a deal. Yeah, you know, now, here we go, here we go. Here's the deal. So the lady makes a mistake, right? I walk out after paying $13.50, but in my excitement, left my jacket in there so I had to go back in and risk discovery again right get my jacket come back out I get in my car as I'm leaving the parking lot a lady hits my car from behind okay so I'm talking about comic book karma this is it right here so luckily nothing happened really to my car but her car was like crunched up and you know she didn't have insurance had to take a police report anyway that's a side deal so anyway that night, I get the call from the auctioneer, okay, about, hey, there was a mistake made at the auction. I'm like, thank God somebody called because I'm wondering how this is going to go. Am I going to get away with a $13.50 book or what? And he says, no. And I'm like, okay, what's the rules behind that? You know, and he says, well, actually, in an auction, you know, you sign up for it so they have all your information. And then they say the hammer price is the price you have to pay, even if there's a mistake at the checkout. I was like, oh, great, okay. So I write the full check and give it to them, and it's good. But that is the comic karma story. Always come correct with the books or else some bad stuff can happen. And in this story, I had three bad things happen to me in just the short time until I paid it off in full. Paid it off in full, and now I love it. It's a jewel of the collection.
Great story. <laughs> it's a lesson for everybody. <laughs> Have fun at the show. Anyway, Woody, it was a pleasure speaking with you. And uh, this is Mark at the Motor City Comic Con. Bob, Ren and Stimpy is arguably my favorite cartoon of all time. Laugh out loud, funny. What was your role in their creation? What what inspired them? Well, uh, I was uh, hanging around with some guys, uh, John Kay and uh, uh, Jim Smith and Ben Naylor, and we were trying to, to get a show made, you know, a cartoon show. And we were contacted by a producer, uh, Vanessa Coffey, who had convinced Nickelodeon they needed to do cartoons and that they should let creatives come up with their shows instead of just making them based on toys or anything like that. And they, they really wanted to build a Nickelodeon brand of cartoons created by the people who make them, which is unusual, really, in the animation world. Because usually it's based on a toy or, or some kind of licensing, something like that. So uh, uh, they, they made a pilot. They showed it on the... Um, uh, Spike and Mike's Twisted Animation Film Festival, and to to great acclaim, uh, and uh, so they let us do a series, and that was how we got started. It was it was unusual in that we didn't have a show concept when we got the job. They just said make a cartoon, so you know that's what we did. We made Ren and Steppy, and uh, we got the series from there. Uh, so there was no concept. We didn't have until we had to make a cartoon. And, and John had a couple of characters he had created in college, and so we just made a cartoon of in her. So it's a relationship-based comedy, like Laurel and Hardy, but animated. Yeah, you know, and in those great comedic duos, there was always sort of a bully and sort of the meek character. Yeah. So were they sort of following in the footsteps of those that came before them? Yeah, absolutely, and totally. I mean, and really, there's a whole lot of Bert and Ernie in it. You know, I mean, same dynamic exactly, uh, except, you know, Bert isn't quite as mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, some of the stuff was pretty out there, pretty outrageous. Do you get any flack from Nickelodeon or anything like that, or did you just have... Well, you know what? I mean, it depends on who you ask. Uh, there was... Uh, for sure there were things that we had to fight for, but I think that's normal, especially if you're doing edgy content. And we were doing pretty edgy content on a children's network. So, you know, we weren't, we weren't skirting the edge, we were like skydiving off the edge. And Nickelodeon had to deal with us, which wasn't always easy. And uh, we had to deal with them, which wasn't always easy. So. It's like we had to kind of find a balance and and uh, figure out how to make the cartoons we wanted to make that they'd allow us to make, you know, which is just a natural creative process when you have a network or somebody like that. They're going to give you notes, yeah. and you have to deal with it. I'm looking back. That Ren and St obviously, Ren and Stimpy led to other opportunities. I read you worked on SpongeBob and things like that. What did Ren and Stimpy mean to you and your career moving forward? Uh, it meant a lot. And actually, I work on the Patrick Starr Show, which is a SpongeBob spinoff. I'm a 
Storybird supervisor there. Great job. I love it. Yeah, and, and SpongeBob was uh, very clearly inspired by Ren and Stimpy. In fact, uh, they were they were developing that just as we were finishing up, and we we sort of felt like it was Ren and Stimpy light, uh, simply because they had a different bunch of people to deal with, and they were kind of fed up with us by that point. <laughs> so uh, it, it was a good good move on their part, and now. You know, uh, the SpongeBob uh, situation is there's a SpongeVerse, like the Marvel Universe. And there's, uh, right now, there there were three series. They discontinued the Grant, the Cap Coral uh, series, which I worked on, Supervisor, uh, which was a CGI spinoff of uh, SpongeBob. And so now there's SpongeBob and the Patrick Star Show, which I'm working on. And there have uh, four features in different stages of production right now. Wow. So it's, you know, this, like, you know, when you work for Disney, they say you work for the mouse. I work for the sponge. <laughs> you know, and it's good. That's awesome. But, but you, you asked about how did it affect my career. It helped my career a lot. Yeah. Uh, and it, it sort of gave me a name that people recognize, you know. I mean, I always had work before that. I didn't have trouble getting work, but suddenly I had, you know, uh, Emmy nominations and stuff like that. You know, and it's another level of of uh, um, a career. You know, it was definitely a career job. Yeah. One day, the the guys from the studio were at Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles in in. Uh, uh, North Hollywood, North Hollywood. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, they were having lunch, and they were sitting around writing a cartoon. And they were writing that cartoon, Ren's Toothache. <laughs> and uh, they were, we didn't have any kind of manners at all. I actually wasn't there, but I heard what, what happened. And they were throwing the ideas around for the cartoon. And finally, this enormous man stood up and leaned over him and said, Hey, 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 I'm trying to eat here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll kind of like went, okay, okay. That baby in the cartoon. <laughs> he ended up in the cartoon. Awesome. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks. Hey, this is Mark at the Motor City Comic Con. I have a treat for you all. I'm here with guys that are part of the new documentary coming out next year, Selling Superman, starting with... Darren Watts here, whose father was the gentleman who collected this mass collection, and uh, now uh, they're trying to sell it to, to the masses and uh, and uh, put the word out about Asperger's. Tell us a little bit about the documentary. Well, it's progressing. Should come out in early 2024. Um, it's just been a, a journey of our travels. I mean, literally no agenda. We go to different cons, we meet different people, and honestly, uh, just literally following it as it unfolds. So, met a lot of great people, you being one of them, and, uh, <laughs> you know, selling books to people that really care about them instead of, you know, leaving them in the boxes they were in for over 50 years. So, you got your crew here. Like, introduce uh, you guys, starting with this gentleman here, and what's his part in the documentary? Well, Adam Kellert, he spends a lot of time in dark rooms with no windows for us. Uh, he pulls a bunch of books. He has a vast knowledge of... Uh, you know, the keys, uh, where things are on the census. So he has a lot to do with what we decide to get graded, what we decide to sell raw, pricing it accurately for us. 
So just a massive amount of work and, uh, you know, benefiting from his decades of experience. Tell us, uh, what was the most exciting book for you to come across? Man, I don't know. There's been a lot. Um, yeah, we just came across about eight Batman 251s. Some of them have legs to be 9.8s, so... <laughs> and this is after a second third pass at these yeah. books so it's like you know what i mean we went through already and said all right there's no more superman ones in here right you know so he's finding some of the deeper keys now whether it may be some like you know special golden age with double covers you know stuff that's maybe we have the highest in the census of so you know that was 251 slipped by the first time somehow i don't know how but brian then takes these books and uh, he's really become like a master presser and, um, you know, restoration artist. And we're trying to, you know, not make sure we, you know, uh, destroy any of the books in any way that would come back with a restoration grade or incomplete. But he's really done a ton of work to um, boost some of our grades higher than they would be right out of the box. And we noticed you were in the sizzle reel. Yes. And you got excited when Darren pulled out that uh, Silver Surfer number four, was it? Yes. Uh, I did. And you own that now. I do own that right now. Yeah, that was one of the greatest things of my life is pulling that out of a slab and putting it next to its brothers and sisters. And, and this other gentleman over here, what is Yeah, it? Jacob, we went to school with him back in the day, and honestly, we uh, we hooked up at a con. This is what's kind of cool. It reunites people, you know what I mean? And we just saw each other, and we're like, Jacob, Darren, and then, you know, he got wind of the con or uh, the collection, and he comes in literally weekly now and helps sort and just cheerleads hangs out and again another dude that has vast knowledge because uh he's been in the the hobby for years has he picked up any of the books hell yes <laughs> what is what are some of the up, taking them to his car taking them home what are some of the, what are some of the cool books that you picked up from darren i mean uh cool books well they pointed out one the, that european justice league that was like the first appearance of a sonic i had no clue i was like what are you talking about you know and so he tells me so they hooked me up because they had like three of four of them you know but, yeah, right. I mean, it's just cool stuff. I mean, there's so much. I mean, I, you know, I get to see stuff that genuinely I have to like dig, dig here, there. It's kind of like getting organized and cool. Now you have a, uh, a live sale coming up, don't you? Yeah. You want to talk about that? Sure. Yeah. Um, um, once you nerd King and rage Theo are going to help us, uh, do our first live sale. We've never done it. think it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be on Instagram only. Um, a lot of hype around that. And I mean, God, we got to have how many thousands of books that, you know, thousands, thousands of books that'll be, and maybe they won't get through them all, but it's going to be this Friday coming up. Uh, what is that? The 26th, uh, 26th, 27th. Um, and please, you know, please join, turn into one, two, new King. I'll have stuff on fantastic underscore comics on Instagram about updates, but it's our first one. So again, you know, this whole journey is navigating through what, you know, um, where it takes us so we'll see how that's well received and again there's multiple dealers here that have our stuff it's so incredibly humbling to see our tags and uh you know here we're giving a giveaway for a golden record reprint avengers 4 in a 9-0 which is i mean a, a no joke book and all people have to do is just register put their email in and tell us why they'd love to own the book so those are the kind of things we're constantly trying to do to give back to the community and um just associate this with a positive experience and to bring awareness to Asperger. A hundred percent. And just, you know, so people understand that there's zero wrong with any condition as long as it's admitted and realized. And um, that was the sad part about our story is that, you know, my father never really 
accepted his condition and, and, and never let anyone know about it. And therefore it hurt a lot of people unintentionally. But, you know, the fact was that if you just would have been aware of it and had some empathy around his situation and how he sometimes made people feel, um, that's the message we're trying to get at is there's never anything wrong with any condition. Some of my great friends have Asperger's around the spectrum, um, but they manage it and they're aware of it. And, and, and that was just something we're trying to really make sure that people are, um, have the courage to do and come forward, you know, and talk about their story. Darren, it was a pleasure speaking with you again. <laughs> this is Mark at the Motor City Comic Con with the Selling Superman crew. That's it for this episode of the Comics, Beer, and Sci-Fi Podcast. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.